What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to another episode of the Smart Out Moment Smack Talk Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Tony Mango. Joining me, as always, are Robert DeFelice. I hope I'm your one to watch this year. <laughs> and Callum Wiggins. No. <laughs> <laughs> I always feel like somebody's Somebody watching me. That's what we're doing today. We're doing the one to watch for 2021. This is the way that we normally ring in the year. It's not actually the first podcast we've done for this year. We've kind of been recording things out of um, out of a different schedule here. But um, this is the first one you guys are going to be getting for this uh, the way that we normally do here. We are changing things up a little bit, though. Uh, normally, we accompany this with the future endeavors forecast. And 2020 sucked. And people lost a lot of their jobs. And it just seems like the worst possible thing to talk about. So we're not doing that. We're focusing on the positives here. We're just doing the one to watch, but to kind of not make you feel like we're skimping you out, we're going to be doing a dark cast of the one to watch for AEW. So if you want to check that out, that's a Patreon exclusive thing that you will only find, of course, on Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com slash moment, you can check out the dark cast here, $10 and up, gives you access to that. And you can check out what we have to say about all elite wrestling. But this in particular is the one to watch for WWE in 2021, which means, and is something that is, over the years, it's been a little bit kind of like, uh, what do you cl- classify as the one to watch? Is it this, is it that? It's pretty much anybody who could have a standout year. It doesn't necessarily have to be a breakout year where they've gone from nothing to something. It could be that somebody has a year like Drew McIntyre from last year where he's been a name but that was his year to just make it his year. Or it could be somebody on the breakout side of things. Maybe somebody comes from low on the roster and they really rise up. Look at like a Becky Lynch. She wasn't low on the roster, but she ended up having a breakout year, the year that she became the man and ended up becoming the top person in the company. They don't necessarily have to be the top person in the company for the entire year. They can be somebody who is just making a big impression. Maybe they're the the best performer overall. Maybe they are the champion. Maybe they're not. Kind of depends on your definition of what you would consider the one to watch. But I'm going to try to change things up a little bit here in the sense that instead of just talking about honorable mentions here and there, I kind of want to uh, toss things out as far as divisions go and then round things out as the one to watch. So... I want to know what you guys have to say that are listening as well. Drop a comment below on YouTube. If you're obviously over on YouTube, hit the like button, hit the share button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, hit the applause button, hit the join button, all that stuff. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Smart Moment. Check out the merchandise shops on Public and Redbubble if you want to show your support in that way and all the other kind of plugs that we normally do here. Um, let's just uh, go ahead and get this started. Why not? Uh, Let's start with NXT because that is kind of a brand that revolves around the idea of who do you watch for the future in some ways. It's the developmental brand. It's the one that you can lead towards different parts of your career. Some people are brand new. Some people are veterans that are just getting into the swing of things with WWE. Positives, negatives, good and bad, different people to watch, different people that might not necessarily be the case. Uh, Let's just... Toss out some ideas here. Um, here's the one that we were going to start off with, I guess. Uh, ben Carter for NXT UK. I yeah. haven't seen much of him, but he seems like he's going to be brought in as a big deal. Well, you better get used to it because, I, as we've seen, unless he gets in his own way like some wrestlers do, he's he's going to have the rocket strapped to him. And... He's going to have own heart strapped to him? Jesus. <laughs> I'm not that big. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> myself right there. But um, no, the stuff, Thanks, that I've seen, the, the stuff that I've seen him do on a AEW Dark was incredibly impressive. Like, this guy has a lot of talent, raw potential. Yeah. And he, he's got the Seth Rollins training in his back pocket. NXT UK needs new stars. They need to feel fresh again. And I think Ben Carter is going to be a huge huge deal for them along the same lines for the american side of nxt zachary wentz and desmond xavier i think them as well yeah 
I, I don't know if they're going to be called uh, the Rascals. I think they're going with Team Gat, like G-A-T right now. I see them using that hashtag a lot. But these two guys are so good. Triple H is gushing about them in every interview. And I don't know if that's to, like, yeah, I don't know, get at some people who didn't get signed and say, you know, <laughs> be like be like these guys and show heart and show, you know, what you're made of. But he really seems fond of them. I like Zach Wentz. I've been watching Desmond Xavier for quite a few years now. They're going to bring some life into the NXT tag team division because although it's good, it is not what it was like two years ago when it was just the hottest tag division in the game. And I know nothing about these guys, so I don't have them down on my list because I'm purely just ignorant of it. You know, well, who do you know, Tony? Let's talk about who you know. Well, like, I have seen Ben Carter on Dark, so that's why I'm like, okay, I liked what I saw from him, and if he's coming in with as big of a deal as he is, I can imagine him being somebody who could maybe fight Walter for the championship in the year or so. Um, From what I've seen so far of Tyler Rust, he seems like he might be somebody that they invest in, somebody to watch. Invest in Malcolm Bivens, okay? This guy has been under contract with this company for, like, two years, and they wasted a lot of that time. They tried to do the thing with Indu's share, which was just a, mis- a mistake. And I don't, I want to see him utilized and I want to see him hopefully bring managers back because that's an underutilized element of wrestling. How about Bronson yeah, Reed? <laughs> uh, well, okay. Look, you guys know I'm all about the big, thick boy, Bronson Reed. Yeah, he was recently on What's Next, hyping up his mullet. I don't know how I feel about that, but I do know that he is one of the better big men in the game, and I hope he has a good 2021. I think in terms of a standout one in my mind for NXT, just based on how much they devote video packages to Zia Lee. She is on my list. She is somebody who I've said before, I thought she was pretty rough around the edges the first time that I had seen her. And the second time around, she considerably got better. And I've been a big fan of hers. I think that she's got a lot of upside to her. And now that they're repackaging them, I don't know which of the, these names that they're going to give her because they've, they've trademarked a bunch of names. We'll talk about that, I guess, later on in the hot tags. But she might be like... um she she gun i think is one of the names or something where there's shao is the name of one of the things or something i think that she's going to be a big deal for the women's division there for sure yeah i can't i can't say with the same amount of confidence that boa will be at that level as well but in terms of a similar vein i think this is also leading to well i say debut but like repackaging of karen q as karen kwan yeah and I think she's the I think she's the puppet master of this entire thing. And I have I've felt that way for a while because I mean, let, let's be honest. If you weren't gonna go with Karen Q, who's the only other signed woman that we know of of Chinese descent, then what were you gonna do? Try to put somebody else in that role? It wouldn't have worked. And Karen Q got injured back when they were still doing house shows. So this is at least 2019. Um, and I'm excited to see her come back. I hope that they started off big time this uh, Wednesday on New Year's Evil because she can do a lot. Zia Lee can be a nice force. Boa, Boa's probably a punching bag, but you know what? That's okay. I, th- I think that's okay. Does any of the um, names that they trademarked translate to punching bag? <laughs> Is that- one of them translates to the hand. That's all. The I symbol know. translates to the hand. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know where they're going to go with the names. That they're going to be like, no, I'm rechristening you this. Mm-hmm. And if they do that, that's cool. I think anything to differentiate people. I like the vignette work that they've done. For some people, it's dragged on a little bit too long. But I'm of the benefit that I no longer am watching NXT on a weekly basis because I'm too busy covering. AEW. So when I watch these things on YouTube, I'm very inspired. 
I think the fact that they've been leading up to New Year's Evil makes it okay. If it would have been like an extra whole month, maybe that would have been too long. But she, uh, she's somebody to look out for, for sure. Both of them, Karen Q and Dia Lee. The two other women in NXT that I think are really going to go somewhere are Raquel Gonzalez and Shotzi Blackheart. Raquel, I, I feel like, is a unanimous, like, this chick has it, you know? And she had a breakout year in 2020. I can only see them capitalizing on that in 2021. Shotzi, I think, is in a weird place where she may even be in danger of a quick call-up because she has such a marketable look. Like, oh, look at her. She looks anti-establishment. Hey, let's just throw her in the Riot Squatters. I don't want that for her. I want her to stay in NXT for a while and get her own brand up before they just throw her lost in the shuffle on the main roster. But she could and should have a breakout year because she is good. I think she's winning the championship. I think there's a good chance she'll win the title this year. But I also think that one of my other choices for the women's side of things in NXT is also potentially going to win the title. It's Tony Storm. Yeah, I just don't see that Tony Storm's going to have that type of a year where she'll hold it for a super, super long time. I think she's going to be the one that beats um, Io Shirai. But then I think that Shotzi's going to beat Tony Storm in. Not relatively quick, not like, you know, a month, but they've had a tendency before where they've given the heel women long reigns, and I don't think it's going to be the case with Tony Storm. I think it'll be the case for Raquel. I don't know if they're going to give it to Tony. I think Raquel should beat EO because what the hell? Raquel beat EO at War Games, and they did not capitalize on that. I get that they want to tie up whatever loose ends with Ripley because Ripley's got to go, you know, to the main roster. But I think they should have said, hey, look, you pinned the champion in War Games. You get a title shot. You win the title. And then Rhea Ripley can do a, if I can't beat you, I'm leaving NXT. And then she can't beat her. Yeah, I think they probably could have done something like that. I think Raquel, you can kind of hold a little bit because I think that they're missing a trick by not having Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez as the women's tag team champions. Yeah. The women's tag team titles are the most underutilized tool in all of WWE. You put this on any two women and go, oh, look, here's an excuse to bring two new women to Raw and SmackDown. Oh, look, here's an excuse to put... Uh, Charlotte back on NXT and they they don't do anything with the women's tag titles. It was like Sasha and Bailey announced, Hey, we can go to all three brands and they never did. They missed out on the sky pirates and the Kabuki warriors being a team that could have been great for that. Somehow the riot squad still has not won the tag titles. It seems kind of crazy. They're, they're going to win those titles at mania. Probably. If not, then I don't know what they're doing here, but Are you from, are they winning it from Mania? Because I'm assuming oh, both Charlotte and Asuka will be fighting either each other. That's or one of true. Maybe they Ripley win it before Mania because I imagine they, they I, well, I imagine they win in it at the Rumble. Oh, well, I'm perfectly even okay before with that, that, maybe even. But I think I, that I think no. they'll be the team that carries it going into WrestleMania. And I would love I, to see Riot Squad against uh, Dakota Kai and uh, Raquel Gonzalez as one of the big feud over the title for a while. And I think that they are a team that you can anchor these belts around. Okay. Ruby Riot has wanted to be a wrestler forever. Liv Morgan, they did a great job in showing that, hey, this blonde chick that you think probably just got here because she looks good actually wanted to do this her whole life. They did a great job telling that story, and they've done nothing with her, even though they keep trying to go, she's so special. Look at her. <laughs> I think if you anchor the women's tag division around them, You've got a pretty solid base. That being said, Riot Squad's not on my list. Oh, because no, of course they're not, because they yeah. you haven't liked them ever. Well, no, but that, that wouldn't be on my list either, because the most they're going to do is win the women's tag team titles, and at the end of the day, that's not... It's a big deal if you're an NXT team, because it's a main roster title. For them, it's like, okay, finally, they've won it, whereas it feels like, it feels like a culmination of just 
it needs to happen rather than oh this feels like a great story leading up to it no they're just really the only women's tag team they have that has any real consistency behind them right now but i think because of that they can carve out a niche that doesn't exist hey there is no iconics there is no golden role models you know carry this ball and make this division yours because nobody's looking that way right now it's hard to do that with no opponents though yeah, Tamina and Talia exist. <laughs> His um, uh, Lana plus whatever and Lacey plus Peyton or whatever. Yeah. In terms of the men's side of things, uh, in NXT, two that stand out to me are uh, Zach Gibson and James Drake, Grizzled Young Veterans. I think they're being groomed to win this uh, Dusty Rhodes Classic. Yep. And they'll be the next um, NXT Tag Team Champions. If it's not them, it's uh, Cole and Strong. Yeah, but I think that's and not that I would be completely against Cole and Strong being the um, tag team champions and winning this tournament, but it's just it feels a bit weird. It feels like a bit of like just they're just prolonging the unfeud era being around for the sake of them being around. Yeah, I don't know where they're going with that. I selfishly wish it was Strong in the title match just so we could get Cole and O'Reilly reforming Future Shock in the Dusty Classic, but. I do agree with Callum, Grizzled Young Vets. Any match, any excuse to put them in the ring with Lorcan and Birch will be just the best hard-hitting tag match. So I'm all for that. Other people in the men's of NXT for me, obviously we said, you know, Bronson Reed already. I So this is the one that I'm conflicted about, and it's Theory. Austin Theory's on my list, yeah. Because he should be the next big thing. The man wrestled the tag title at WrestleMania. Like, technically, he should have be even just stuck on Raw. But, again, if he can stay out of his own way, I think Austin Theory has nothing but upside. I don't know, and, of course, behind the scenes what's going on, but... I get a sort of feeling, and it could be totally wrong, so, you know, whatever. Uh, this might not age super well. But uh, then again, my one to watch from last year was Velveteen Dream, so look at how, uh, <laughs> that, how that works. Um, I get a sense, based off of what they've been doing with Austin Theory recently, that he might have had one of those talks with, like, a Triple H type. Maybe even, like, Shawn Michaels could have been, like, look... I've done this type of thing before. I can tell you, grow the fuck up <laughs> and, you know, save yourself lots of anguish in the future and just, you know, be the type of person that we need you to be. Because he seems a little different to me now. And I like this pairing of him being in the way. I like that they kind of gave him like a little bit of a meathead character just to show a little bit of personality, because he wasn't showing much personality before that. He was just the guy who looks like he should be the next Randy Orton type of guy. And I think he's solid in the ring. I think that he's got a lot of upsides to him. And I could see this being a year where he, maybe he wins the tag titles with uh, Gargano. Maybe he wins the North American championship. Maybe he even by the end of the year gets to a point where they go, eh, let's give him the NXT championship, depending on how things go. I think this could be a good year for Austin Theory. He's one of my major, major people to watch, for sure. Y'all don't like Indy Hartwell, but I, I dig Indy Hartwell. I, I like... She's fine. The, ...the stupidity that she brings to the way. Uh, I support indie wrestling. Way, uh, you know, the way is such a fun faction. Uh, Gargano, who should be an evergreen babyface, works so well as almost like a Kurt Angle level heel where he's such a dork and just doesn't see it. And Candace being the one mature person who's just like, this has to stop. It's a really fun dynamic and I hope they do more. Uh, so here's one to watch, but it's not necessarily in the most glowing light. I'm interested in what they do with Thatcher because Thatcher has carved out this weird niche already where it's like he's the guy that people beat, but he's also such a great wrestler 
and he should be being built to carry NXT into the future. And I think that he's already found his place as the the Cassius Ono. Yeah. The vet, the veteran who comes in has really good matches, but he's never going to be elevated beyond being the gatekeeper of NXT. No, that I mean, he might win the North American Championship because Ono never had really had the opportunity to win it while he was there. Uh, but other than that, I don't, I don't see this being like a standout year for him. How do you guys feel about Kyle O'Reilly? Do you think he's going to reach the summit this year? I think he should. I really think that he should be world champion. I think that should be the catalyst of the Undisputed Era breaking up. I think it should be Kyle O'Reilly wins. Adam Cole eventually, maybe over time, eventually gets jealous, goes after Kyle O'Reilly. That's how you have Kyle O'Reilly beat Adam Cole, send Adam Cole up to the main roster, keep Kyle O'Reilly around on NXT for a while longer. I just think that, that could work because then you could have a reunion of the Undisputed Era on the main roster at some point when Adam Cole has been established a little bit. I think that there's two people in my mind that should be NXT champion this year. And obviously, Karrion Cross is going to be an NXT champion again this year. Yeah. He's not he's, one of the two that I think. Is, like, it, he, we might as well not even talk about Karrion Cross because no. it's like he's winning the title from Finn Balor that he's going to hold it for a long time. Like, yeah, yeah we know. <laughs> but the two people beyond that that I think should win it, it should be Kyle O'Reilly beats Karrion Cross in my mind. And then Pete Dunne should be Kyle O'Reilly. <laughs> He's on. I literally have written down Karrion Cross, and then an arrow, and then Kyle O'Reilly, and then an arrow, Pete Dunne. <laughs> yeah. But I also have down, uh, if it doesn't go to uh, Kyle O'Reilly, I think another person who really should be a major, major one to watch as a potential transition for that is Damian Priest. I think Damian Priest is uh, main roster bound. I think th- this match that he's going to have with Karrion Cross at New Year's Eve is going to be his last match in NXT. Already? Royal Rumble. Yep. You know, that wouldn't be the craziest think, thing in the world. He's, he's ready, I think. I think as soon as Vince sees him, Vince will see, say, well, where were you when we signed Baron Corbin? That's basically going to be his uh, his mindset, really. He's got so much charisma, too. I, I really grew to like... Uh, Damian Priest in the last year because I remember being just indifferent towards him and he's got so much going for him. But fundamentally I'm not making Damian Priest one I want to watch because because well basically for the reason he's going up to the main roster and they're going to ruin him. <laughs> I can't help it. That's what they do. I, they, I have no faith that they're not they're going to do something good with him on the main roster. They, could, they need to prove me wrong. And then he's proved me wrong multiple times before I start believing the otherwise. I guess that's a good transition to talk about this person um, switching out from NXT, sort of. But I'm still holding out hope that they actually go with the Rhea Ripley thing. And that they give her that Royal Rumble win and that she beats Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania for the title. I'm still hoping that that's what happens. I don't know, man. You got Bianca right there. I think that she is better suited for the Elimination Chamber. Give her a little bit more time to to work her way into a bank. I'd argue that given their uh, characters, Bianca, the athlete, is better suited to run the gauntlet in the Rumble and then Ripley goes inside this hellish structure and just wrecks shit. That's true, yeah. But they did that last year with Baszler and it didn't amount to much. Yeah, and it's also hard to completely go along with that idea yet because even though we all think that there's a good possibility it's going to happen charlotte flair is not the raw women's champion and at, at in present she is teaming with the raw women's champion showing no signs of turning on her just yet yeah they could just do charlotte beats oscar mania instead yeah and that's you could so have... lame i'm sorry <laughs> like the... Well, I, th- I think there's a good possibility that Rhea Ripley comes up after WrestleMania and doesn't even... She might be in the Royal Rumble, but I don't think she gets called up until after. Well, Mania. if they're not going to call her up, then don't put her in the Rumble. I think that, that Rhea Ripley is established at this point that if you're not going to call her up, don't put her in the Rumble. I agree, because I think that what they should do here with New Year's Evil... They haven't built that last woman standing match as like a loser leaves town type of thing, but it should be. And if Ripley wins or loses that for that matter, she'll probably lose the way that they've been doing things. Then I think, 
you got to just put her in the rumble. And if you're putting her in the rumble, she's got to win, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's obviously there's a potential for that side of things. I just don't think, again, it leads to a very convoluted build towards WrestleMania where Charlotte has to win the title win between. It kind of feels a little bit odd because otherwise Rhea Ripley is going to be facing Oscar or Sasha Banks at WrestleMania. Both of them would be good matches, obviously, but everyone's just going to be waiting for Charlotte to win the title in the meantime. So it doesn't feel like it's it's set up at the moment for Ripley to win. If Charlotte come back and like immediately start feuding with Oscar and then won the title of Royal Rumble, then I'd say absolutely. But she's not going to win the, the title before the Royal Rumble at this rate. So here's a convoluted way maybe to get around something, but this is something that popped in my mind. I want to see what you guys have to say about this. What if you get a scenario where... Because it's already, you know, January 4th when we're recording this. uh, And we don't know what's happening on Raw tonight. Maybe some things change. It seems like they need to do something to set up the idea of a Charlotte and Asuka type of thing. Uh, It's quite a bit to kind of cram in there. But would you hate this idea? Uh, Charlotte's in the Royal Rumble. So is Bianca. So is Rhea Ripley, et cetera, et cetera. And Charlotte gets eliminated by Ripley and Charlotte pulls a Hulk Hogan from 1992 where she pulls Ripley out and gets her eliminated. It so make more sense than Hogan in 92. <laughs> then Flair can do something in the meantime where she can challenge Asuka at elimination chamber for the championship or maybe on raw if they would want to pop a rating or something. She beats Asuka, wins the title, and Ripley, in the meantime, has to go through the Elimination Chamber to get to fight Flair for the title, whereas Belair wins the Royal Rumble. Yeah, I think that's fine. It could be, again, it's slightly convoluted, but if that's, what, if that's the end goal you're trying to get to, it seems like a perfectly fine way of doing it. I wouldn't mind that scenario. I, I think that that kind of screws Asuka, but then again, they've been doing that for an entire year, so... Um, I don't think they care about us. <laughs> they really, they don't. It seems it's a shame too because she's so good. But uh, other people in the women's division on the main roster, I think that we do still have to watch out for Alexa Bliss. I think that they really like this whole gimmick and that they're going to try to push her as far as they can with that. I don't think that she's the one to watch for the women's division though, but somebody to look out for, at the very least. Yeah, yeah I think Alexa's evergreen at this point. She is one of the pillars of this era of women. It's going to be like, you got the four horse women, Asuka, and Alexa Bliss. Uh, Yeah, I I think that she's doing well in this particular role, even if the gimmick overall isn't exactly the greatest. I think they'll keep her away from the title, though, because I don't think the Fiend and Alexa Bliss act needs championships at this point in time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another person that I think is worth watching out for in the women's division is Sonya Deville. Or at least I hope so, so. So this was my one to watch last year. And I remember it was like crickets when I said it because she was just somebody that sprang to mind as like, she's got something. And then she has a fucking awesome year. And then, of course, people ruin it because people are creeps. And... Now that she's back, thankfully, I hope that she's right back near the top of the game. Yeah, yeah, Sonya's definitely got a huge opportunity to have a very strong year. I don't know what they have planned for her just yet. Obviously, she's now separated from Mandy because Mandy's on the Raw brand, so that's not an issue. They'd have to follow up on that side of things. I wonder whether that like her early return will suppress plans they might have had of pushing Bianca Belair towards the title immediately. Because I wouldn't be against the idea of Sonya winning the Royal Rumble and going to face Sasha instead. I, mean, you know, I think she's more established and Bianca has more time and room to grow into. Because at the end of the day, if, if you've only been watching the main roster, you really don't know that much about Bianca Belair. Yeah. She's been on the roster for almost an entire year and you would never think that. No, because she was on Raw and basically not used beyond matches with Selena Vega. And then now she's on SmackDown. She's clearly getting some level of push or at least some exposure. 
but she just feels like she's the other baby face outside of Sasha Banks at the moment. Just like she's just there because they've got really no other strong baby faces on the on their roster right now. So obviously it's a mist. Like we didn't know she was coming back and it was an awesome to see Sonia come back. But I'm almost thinking you remember the 2005 Rumble where Kurt Angle gets eliminated by Shawn Michaels and just goes ballistic on him, bloodies him up and all that. They don't even need to go that route with this. Sonya can just pop up in the Rumble, and if Mandy's there, she could just lose it, bloody Mandy up, and there's your WrestleMania match. And I don't think anybody will complain about Sonya and Mandy having a one-on-one at WrestleMania. I just, I just don't think you need to do that because they've already decided that they're going to reinstate Sonya Deville. So I know obviously it's the idea about, but I feel like that match, even though it wasn't like the greatest match whatsoever in terms of, and when you consider the outside circumstances, that's very understandable. I just feel like that was the blow off. I don't think you need to revive that at this point. Yeah. Plus around seven like, brands. So yeah, I, I just, I know that obviously that doesn't mean anything, but it's just, it, it just feels like it's an unnecessary move towards them. I mean, obviously it'd be beneficial official for Mandy who's just in a tag team doing absolutely nothing right now with Dana but I I think that if you are serious about giving Sonya an opportunity and Sonya does have a a big following I mean realistically Sonya should be a baby face coming into this because of what's happened to her but I don't know whether that they'll portray her as a baby face as the actual character I respect them not you know I respect them not like trying to milk well we don't know yet we don't know what she's going to do yet yeah. She's only just appeared in one backstage thing, true. walking around, and just before they do that, and um, she's seen smiling and like checking what checking over people, just like giving them subtle nods backstage. So I don't, it, she's giving no indication about what her alignment is right now. Yeah, I mean, she could very um, easily end up feuding with Carmella or Bailey or something, yeah. rather than going straight to Sasha. I think she's going to stay heel, but we'll see. I'm not against a feud with Sasha. Oh, not with Sasha, with uh. Carmella. Carmella's very like looks are everything and Sonya could be a great antithesis to that as a baby face. But and I want to be careful of how I say this. There is also like this Liv Morgan thing that they never touched where she was with Lana in a relationship that they ever wanted to bring up any kind of storyline like that again. I feel like Sonya Deville is the one who can do it justice and respect so Liv is there if they ever wanted to play that role again and also fundamentally we have to we've obviously spoken a lot about Bianca Belair and in the past about how she seems to be not a lock but she's a favorite to win the Royal Rumble going on to face Sasha Banks we don't assume that Bianca's going to turn heel in the meantime leading up to that so it's not like Sonya can come back be a baby face feud with someone like Bailey then win the Royal Rumble or win the Elimination Chamber and face Sasha as a baby face. Because Sasha's better that as Sasha anyway. turn heel, yeah. Yeah, Sasha, yeah, Sasha's better, better as the heel anyway, so. Yeah. And and it also, there's no indication that they'll be the ones that win that win the title at WrestleMania anyway, because. Oh, well, we talked about that. Uh, I don't know what recording comes up first. But we were just saying on another recording that the Royal Rumble is so damaged now. It's not even a guarantee anymore that they'll win. Yeah, and it's not even that. It's just a case of, at this point in time, outside of Asuka, really, there's really nobody that holds the women's title outside of the four horsewomen. Like, yeah. The, the, la- the last people that have held the titles outside of Asuka for an extended period of time are Bailey, uh, Sasha Banks. Yeah, Bailey, Sasha Banks, Charlotte, Becky Lynch, and you'd probably have Alexa in there as well. And Ronda Rousey, but she yeah. doesn't really count. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's out the picture, at least oh. outside of the video gaming side of it, anyway. It goes back to what I was saying. How if you look at this era, it's literally four horsewomen, Asuka and Alexa, because they're the only ones they seem to really care about. They'll throw Carmella a bone here and there. I think Nia Jax got uh, you got a little know, bit of time. Here's your courtesy title, Rance. You can always say you were WWE Women's Champion. It's it's why it's it's why it's always like slightly hesitant to just say one of the women on the main roster is going to be the one to watch because unless you say one of the four horsewomen, you're probably going to be wrong. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think that it's worth saying like, oh, this is going to be Lana's year where she turns this thing around and all that. Like, I, it's not going to happen. Uh, I'm sorry, 
I, I, you know, I apologize in advance. I really, really, really hope not. You can't get people over as a joke and then go, why aren't you taking this seriously? Right. I, I like Lana. Lana has clearly worked hard to improve. I like a lot of what Lana has done, but fundamentally for me, I can't see myself going, yeah, I'm really glad that Lana is suddenly winning the Royal Rumble by not entering, you know, just coming out at number 30 when everybody else had already hit the ground. I, I don't want to see that. Like, There's a difference between supporting CJ Perry and supporting Lana. <laughs> yeah, like, I support the woman who's tried hard to master her craft. I don't care about the character. Yeah. And the character at this point is rooted in something that doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah, not a fan. Hope it's not one of the things where they prioritize pushing her in the future. Uh, tag team division. Yeah, what uh, tag team division? It's not uh, not a whole lot to talk about there. I think that the Usos are going to beat the Street Profits for the tag titles and hold them for quite a while. And I hope that things work out in a situation where Dominic and Ray can win the tag titles. That's really the only talking points that I have. I don't think that there's a tag team to watch really. Other than the Usos win the titles and they're the Usos, so it's not really like a surprise. I thought that Dominic and Ray, this is back in like when Dominic at Survivor Series helping his dad fight Brock. I thought going into this WrestleMania, we would be talking about, hey, Dominic and Ray win the tag titles. But COVID and life happens, so that's clearly not the case. I hope they get that opportunity. I agree with Tony. I think it's all about the Usos. Maybe Ziggler and Rude get a courtesy run just because. Dirty dogs. I, I Listen, they, well, they're wearing the shirts. <laughs> they called themselves dirty dogs. But Lorcan and Birch have called themselves the Britain Bruisers many times and they refuse. So I'm not going to get excited <laughs> about the name of the dirty dogs. Uh yeah, there's no tag team division. Tag teams are sad, and this is sad. And I like AEW, where there's real tag teams. Yeah, I don't really have much to add in terms of the tag team side of things. I think it's very unclear what the next two, the next Raw tag team champions will be. If it's not the New Day, then it doesn't really seem like there's many thing else that's been set up for it. And yeah, on the SmackDown side of things, I just think that they're just going to give the title to Rude and Ziggler. And then they'll get it back to Street Profits, and then maybe the Usos will win it at some point. But I really don't think that any of them are going to have standout years. Well, here's a fun one. Of the people that are available, who do you see them throwing together this year as, oh, look at this new tag team of, you know, Guy A and Guy B? Ricochet and someone. Yeah, that's where I went to. I could see them, if they don't decide to go with the Mysterio family, I could see them doing Dominic and Murphy. I hope not. Well, Murphy in storyline is dating his sister, so yeah. I really, it's been long enough that I really hope they just go. Never happened. <laughs> just and then they amicably broke up. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> have him do like a talking stack promo. Hey, we're we're just in different stages in our lives. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, they are setting up a few like just random tag teams. They've already got like Elias and Jackson Riker now, and. Otis and Chad Gable. So I'm guessing if they think that this guy can eventually work in any capacity, they could do AJ Styles and Omos as a tag team. <laughs> I almost thought about uh, putting Omos on my list of one to watch. And I was like, I just haven't seen Russell, you know, so I can't say anything about that. No. And anyone that I've heard say, say about what he is like in terms of wrestling, I don't think there'll be much to look forward to in that regard there. I mean, there is the hope that the Viking Raiders return at some point this year and add a, a little bit of difference to it. So that would be helpful. Other than that, I mean, one that I'm like weirdly intrigued by when he eventually comes back is what they're actually going to do with Jinder Mahal. NXT India. You think he's just going to go straight to NXT India off the back of this? I oh, yeah. Think so. I think that he's going to be in the tournament for NXT India and then he's just going to be on Raw. I no, think, no, I think, no, I, I really, I think 
they know that they have a bona fide name in Jinder Mahal, and he, I think his raw days are kind of behind them. Like the three and B thing doesn't feel like if you just did it right now, it would be as hot because McIntyre has progressed so far beyond that. Yeah, I just I just I feel sorry for the guy because he's basically missed an entire year of his career due to some unfortunate injuries. So, but I think that they, when he comes back, I think they will have something for him. I don't think it'll be anything super significant, but I'm more just like one to watch in terms of. I just want to. Hey, this is weird. I want to see Jinder Mahal wrestle. I just want to see the guy get some time on TV after such a terrible year that he's had. I Matt Riddle is a weird one. Matt Riddle is so... one of my main ones. So Matt Riddle is this guy right now that Hogan has gone on interviews and said, oh, man, he's the next big thing. I like this guy. He's the bro. They had AJ go on interviews and go, I don't know. He's got a lot of potential. Next big thing. And then they even did an article. I think it was for the website. But there's a graphic made up of Drew McIntyre, uh, Drew of Matt Riddle holding the WWE championship. And I'm like, all right. Here's the thing. Eventually, people are going to come back, and you have to keep that in mind. And I just don't know how well-received he'll be. Riddle, I think, is one of the guys that, if they spin this in a way where... then Maybe not even spin it. That's kind of... Because we don't know what's going on. If WWE kind of just goes like, all right, well, you know, that's not as uh, real of a situation or not as big of a deal or whatever you want to constitute it. I don't know what the right phrasing would be. Um, People have had issues and backstage problems and different kind of things in the past, and it's not hindered their careers. And some other people they've had where they've done almost nothing and it's been like a death sentence for them. So it's weird because it's like in a different era, you could look at the way that Shawn Michaels was and go, oh, he's he's screwed. He's got too many enemies in the, the locker room. He's making too much of a scene. He's got this problem, whatever. And Shawn goes on to be Shawn Michaels. Whereas an Alex Riley is like, he seems like he bumped into John Cena one time backstage and his career is dead, you know? Right, but everything you just mentioned is strictly within the confines of backstage politics. I'm saying that we're entering a time with Riddle where fans aren't going to receive this guy well unless you just bank on if we can fill it with largely people who don't give a shit about the internet, you know, we can do this. But how many people are there like that still left? I guess that's going to be the main thing that influences his positives and negatives because... He's got some upsides in a lot of different ways that could take him pretty far. And I do think that he's going to be some kind of champion this year. Maybe a mid-card champion more so than world champion, but... He'll win the tag team titles. They seem high on the Hardy Bros. I could see the Hardy Bros winning those tag titles at some point. Wouldn't shock me. That is an awful name. That is an awful tag team name. I just want to get that out into the open. That's awful. What's better, that or the positively hard bros? <laughs> the positively hard bros, because at least that doesn't sound like, hey, it's the Hardy Bros, but not the Hardy Brothers, because the other one's over there. It's, it's... How about the Heidi's? I like that. <laughs> uh, what do you guys think about Biggie? I don't have as much faith that he's going to have this big ass uh, surge for his career that a lot of people are thinking that he's going to have but I'm a huge fan of Big E, so it's like I'm rooting for the guy, you know? And again, I'm not super certain because they've now given him the Intercontinental title, which usually, which in years gone by would be a positive sign. Right now it makes me feel like, okay, they don't have plans to push into the main event just yet, keeping him a holding pattern for now. I think by the end of the year, he'll be in the main event scene. I just don't know. It's hard to really picture anyone taking the title of Roman Reigns right now. So I think Big E is dangerously close to where he was as Big E Langston with the Intercontinental title. Because that belt is just... It's like the infinite consolation prize, where it's like, 
yeah, but you're the Intercontinental Champion, so you can lose a bunch as long as you keep that belt. I'm not convinced that they're going to do a lot with him. I wasn't convinced beforehand that he was going to like win the Rumble or anything, but now I'm even less so because he already has the singles championship and never in the history of the company has the Intercontinental Champion won the Royal Rumble and gone on to WrestleMania, and I don't think they start it now. I mean, we did get an Intercontinental Champion beat the WWF Champion at Mania with Ultimate Warrior, but that's once. And that's, Big E does true. not have that going on for him right now, especially not to beat Tribal Chief Roman Reigns, who's probably going to beat Goldberg at Mania, let's be honest. Or fight Daniel Bryan. It's going to be one of the two. It, it's This is the year... That they pulled the trigger on Brian winning the Royal Rumble. I just, it feels like that to me. Like, I, it feels like it's finally the time, you know? The only guy that's ever kind of gotten in the way of that is now the world champion, so he can't get in the way of that. And they've done a very good job of protecting Brian and keeping him out of the Rumble. So the fact that they're going into this one with the storyline of this is the one thing in this company I haven't done. I think that means he gets the win this year. I think so too, but I wouldn't make him the one to watch just because he's going to potentially win the Royal Rumble this year because first of all, I don't think he'd win the title WrestleMania. And secondly, Daniel Bryan is, this is his final year of his full-time run really with the company. So he's going to go part-time soon. So I don't know what, I don't know what that really means in a current pandemic era where basically everyone is working part-time on what they, considering what they used to work anyway. But yeah, so I don't, I don't know whether he'd end up winning the title WrestleMania if he wins the Royal Rumble. I think there's a chance, but I wouldn't even class him as the one to watch because if he doesn't win the title, I think he holds it for a month and then drops it to Roman Reigns immediately afterwards again. Yeah. But he's one of the few people who could successfully do that. And I don't know if it would even derail Roman. Oh, no, I I think it'd be fine if he won it, had a short reign with it, like as a little bit of a um, just a nod to his entire like contribution to the company, and then he drops it straight back afterwards. I don't, I wouldn't have a problem with that whatsoever. I just think that there's a good chance that they just keep the title on Roman for a long time after that, a, a long time before and after it as well. So, so I just feel like it was a reign that didn't really mean a great deal in the grand scheme of things, other than just to give a bit of service to his fans. I'm all right with it. So here's the guy that I'm putting down as my overall one to watch. Keith Lee. Yep. I do think that there's a chance that they screw him up. Unfortunately. But it just seems like it's like so obvious that it's like you you can't screw this up. You know what I mean? Like this guy's so good and I know that there's the thing going around before about like that they sent him down to what well, down to performance center as if he's you know living in the mountains or something. <laughs> um, that they want him to train more there, but that might be a good sign because that might be them saying we need to polish up these couple little things because we're really going to give you the ball. And he's somebody that I not only could see being a big deal. Just right now, even, I mean, tonight he's fighting Drew McIntyre for the uh, WWE Championship. For all we know, by the time I'm at, able to edit this and Monday Night Raw starts or whatever, because it's currently uh, 20 at 4 p.m., uh, maybe he wins the championship tonight. I don't think he's winning it tonight, but maybe. I don't think he's winning the Royal Rumble, but maybe. And there's a chance that even if he doesn't win either of those two things, he could be the guy that beats Roman. Just like, I don't know, Survivor Series or something, you know? It's possible. Um, Keith Lee is my male one to watch just because this is it to me. If they don't pull the trigger on him by mania... Like, we'll know that they don't see anything in him in the short term. If he does get a run and it's not at Mania, it's going to be 
blank. Yeah, okay, we have a stopgap here that we need to give the belt to somebody. So, Keir Keithley. But there's that rumor that he's supposed to fight Brock and McIntyre at Mania. There's the fact that he's got a title match now. We have video evidence of Vince McMahon saying, look look at what the fuck I have here. Like, there's clearly interest in Keith Lee. It's just, will they follow through? So I'm, it's like, Keith Lee is my one to watch with the asterisk of, I'm mainly watching creative to see if they follow through <laughs> with Keith Lee. Yeah, I don't have a huge amount of confidence that Keith Lee would do anything beyond win the United States Championship this year. That's depressing. Which would be something. But I don't think... Because he had this issue in NXT for a while as well, is that he was just on the roster for a year, a year and a bit, and did virtually nothing. I think, from what I've basically... I can only go by basically what I've seen on the main roster so far. I don't think they know what they have with this guy. Even though Vince said that he... He's like, look what I have here. I don't think he knows what he has here. I think he sees just a big dude. He doesn't see the charisma. He doesn't see the technical ability. He doesn't see the athleticism. He just sees a giant guy. And he wants him to work like a giant guy. And I think that's fine if you're like Braun Strowman and you're limited. But if you've got the ability that someone like Keith Lee has, who can be really transcendent as a star, and you're just going to give him the bare minimum to do because he wants big guys to work a certain way... I think you're really limiting his appeal. And I think that's going to be the biggest issue. I, don't, I just feel like Keith Lee's already, his momentum has slowed down so much already that I don't think he's going to be in a world title position by the end of the year. Maybe next year, if they don't screw him up too badly. But I think this year's going to be a bit of a holding year, a year of quote-unquote proving himself on the main roster. I don't like Callum's realism. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but... Uh... In fairness, Callum's probably the most accurate of the three of us. Well, since Rob and I have Keith Lee as like our main one to watch, who's yours, Callum? Andrade. Huh. Mm. There's and there's two words for that. It's Charlotte Flair. <laughs> the damn right. Cien Almas. <laughs> See, unless something really badly happens in their relationship, and obviously I'm not praying for that in any regards. But if something like that was to happen, then that could obviously change things. But I think having Charlotte on Raw, being in the position that she'll probably end up being for the entire year because she's one of the stand bearers of the women's division, that will elevate Andrade. And I'm not saying Andrade will win a world title. I think he'll get a world title opportunity between now and the end of the year. I think he'll be a United States champion at some point this year as well. I just think that based on where he was and where he's going to end up being, he'll go from being just a guy that was being used in a tag team and not really getting anywhere to being like a upper mid card to maybe even just below the main event level player by the end of the year. And realistically, I can't really see too many other people in it. I'm just going by my own outside sources because I don't really see too many people beyond, but I don't know who's going to beat Drew McIntyre for the WWE championship unless it's Lesnar. So I can't really say too much on that regards i don't see anyone beating roman for a considerable length of time until biggie is in a position to do so maybe later on but i don't even i'm not even have 100 percent confidence that that'll be the case they've already gone through kevin owens and shown that kevin owens isn't on roman's level and kevin is probably the biggest star outside of daniel bryan they have on the babyface side of things on smackdown so once he's out of the way there's really nobody left to go through and then on the raw side of things, McIntyre just stands a bit of head and shoulders above most other people, and I don't really know. I mean, what they're going to do is they're going to give the title to the Miz on a cash in, and that's going to suck. But that's what they're going to do. And then whoever beats the Miz, the baby face, will go- carry on with it. And I just don't know who that's going to be just yet, like because I don't see anyone who's on the level of McIntyre in the baby face side of things. Could be Edge. Edge, Edge is a, Edge is a big possibility, but I don't really want to say Edge is the one to watch because. Come on, he's nearly 50 years old and he's only going to wrestle a certain amount of times in a given year. And it feels like a real cop out to say that this guy who's, whose time in the spotlight should have been and gone. And I'm obviously happy that he's here and happy that he's able to work again. will get to retire on his own terms when it, if and when he does do it in the next couple of years or so. But I just don't want him to be the star of the company because it just it's just 
keep aiming at everything in the holding pattern. And that's always been the issue with WWE is the fact that nobody outside of a couple of people on either of their main rosters feels like a big deal. So as you were saying that, I was thinking, what if we're just entering an era where it's McIntyre and McIntyre is like the, I don't want to say the new John Cena, but maybe the new Bret Hart, like, whereas he wasn't breaking box office records, but he was the dependable guy and he was the easiest to go back to. And that's why Brett was a five-time champion. Maybe McIntyre is just going to get that spot. And maybe Miz Cash is in tonight and it's already McIntyre's again by Rumble, you know? Rollins was definitely in that kind of range where Rollins was sort of the Bret Hart of, yeah, he's the guy. He's not the guy, but he's the guy kind of a thing. Rollins is again is another person that may have a strong year just because he has such a reputation behind him already that you can just slot him into a main event role and it will perfect it will it will fit in perfectly because he's been there so long. I just don't know. First of all, what he comes back, what alignment he's going to end up being, whether he's going to keep doing the Monday Night Messiah thing, or he's going to use the fact that he's now a father to move him towards the babyface side of things, and then he could feud with Roman for a while. But again, it just feels like a bit of a cop out to say. Rollins I, yeah. I like to go when I do the one to watch things I like to go with somebody who at the time is not doing even not doing particularly well or is not doing anything of real significance or someone who is in NXT or something like that and could be pushed forward I mean if you look at the NXT side of things like my main my main one to watch pick on the main roster is Andrade if you're looking at the NXT side of things I might even say it'd be someone like either Kyle O'Reilly or Tony Storm, because I think they'll probably be one of the ones that's going to do something on NXT this year. And obviously Raquel's going to do something, but I'd rather she stick to the tag team stuff. And maybe the year following that would be a, a good time for her to do it because it's the issue you can't push everyone at once. So, but if, I, yeah, main roster one, I'm definitely going with Andrade. Overall, I probably would actually go Tony Storm. And what would your uh, recap be, Rob, for everybody? Um, for NXT, I mentioned uh, Zachary Wentz and Desmond Xavier, Raquel Gonzalez and Bronson Reed. And for the main roster, I, I like the potential of the Riot Squad and Sonya Deville, but my overall is Keith Lee with, the, again, that asterisk of this is where we see if they follow through or not. If I go women's division in general, I still am going to put a little bit of faith in Rhea Ripley. But that's sort of crossover between NXT and main roster. So I don't know how you would classify that. Um, I think that if you're going with like a breakout year where somebody goes, maybe they don't do the top of the top type stuff, but they can make a big, big stride. I think Damian Priest is somebody to really watch out for. But I'm just going to stick with uh, Keith Lee as my overall one to watch. And I hope that I'm not jinxing him <laughs> by doing that. Um. I don't think that this is going to be a year where we see a lot of people make a lot of changes, though. I honestly think this is going to be a holdover type of year where WWE kind of treats a lot of 2020 as like test stuff. And 2021 is sort of the other half of 2020. And then 2022, it's where things start actually changing. Maybe I'll be wrong. I don't know. Mention my plugs. Got them out of the way. One of them being the fact that I just want to make sure everybody leaves their comment and tells us what your lists are for the one to watch. But obviously, if you're on a platform that doesn't have the comments, then hop on over to YouTube and do that or go to the page on smartcutmoment.com or set a tweet at smartcutmoment, whatever it might be. Just keep the discussion going. Checked out the uh, merchandise stuff, the uh, Patreon stuff. Go to fanboysanonymous.com to see what we're happening what we're happening, what's happening there, what we're doing over on that side of the things. Show some love for that brand and follow these guys on what they've got going on because not only do we have the AEW side of this thing for the one to watch on the Patreon, but we've got another hot tags coming up and also another episode of the Paul Heyman Smackdown podcast. What's coming up for that one, Callum? So on the next edition of the Paul Heyman Smackdown podcast, which you can check out every single Saturday, on the uh, Smart Camo channel and obviously on the podcast feeds and everything, we'll be discussing uh, the 9th of January edition of uh, SmackDown, which involves a 
main event of Brock Lesnar versus the A Train. There's actually nine whole matches in a two-hour show, which is uh, pretty impressive. Uh, none of them go over seven minutes long, so that's one thing about it. But uh, get to see plenty of action, and we're also going to see the recap of the honeymoon from hell, which is uh, Dawn Marie and Al Wilson, and see how that all ends up as well. Did Al so, Wilson go longer than seven minutes? Uh, maybe not in one period, but like in terms of just overall, it seemed like he was going for seven days, let alone seven minutes. <laughs> so we'll we'll talk about that, obviously. And yeah, check me out on Twitter at Wigmaster14. Check out all the articles on tomarkamoment.com. And that's it for me. All right. And you can follow me on Twitter at DudeFelice. Check out everything we're doing on Fightful. This is a big week, guys. We got the Wrestle Kingdom Night 1 stuff up as we speak. We're going to be doing Night 2 coverage. We're going to be doing New Year's Dash coverage, MLW King of Coliseum coverage, uh, New Year's Smash, New Year's Evil. SmackDown's got a couple of title matches. Uh, Impact has Genesis this week. And. Yeah, so let's just let's get through this and enjoy wrestling and follow me everywhere. And thank you. You can follow me at Tony Mango. Check out what I've got on eWrestling News and Bleacher Report. Obviously, of course, there's plenty of things on SmartCom Moment and Fanboys Anonymous that I'm working on because this is a busy week, despite the fact that I didn't think it was going to be that busy, but we've been adding more and more things to it, including something that we already recorded, which is the next thing you're going to be hearing on this channel, the at least as far as the YouTube channel is concerned, the Mount Rushmore of Royal Rumbles that was sponsored for uh, from Marco through the Patreon. So thank you, Marco, for that. Check that out. Check out the Patreon episode of the One to Watch that we mentioned before with the AEW side of things. Stay tuned for everything else that's happening here, and we will see you next time. Hopefully you enjoyed this edition of One to Watch for 2021. Hopefully we enjoy 2021. <laughs> <laughs> and we will see you next time, everybody. But for now, this has been another Smark Out moment, and we're being counted out. Oh!